And welcome back to Richmond Tiger Talk. My name's Nick. And I'm Andy. It's a big week this week, Andy. We've, we've got the finals by, more importantly, the start of the AFLW. And we're, we're very lucky. We've got a um, friend of the show, Sarah Black, coming up later to to talk about the, the Tigers and their chances in the AFLW season and you unfortunately weren't able to to join the chat but yeah i mean it's probably not a spoiler given what she's been writing on the official website but sarah's sarah's cautiously positive about the tigers this year yeah before we get to that we'll um we'll download the Essendon game as Mm. as normal and, and go through a few other things a slightly disappointing finish for the vfl but I like I, one thing I like, Sarah, is um, you know there's an unspoken discrimination in AFL uh, uh, journalism against more than um, any American sport I follow actually against people who didn't actually play at the top level. You know, it seems mm. like, seems a, there's such an automatic in, um, bias towards people, and, and some people who play at the top level describe it excellently, and others don't. Uh, and Sarah Sarah plays local footy like. A, like I do and you used to, and um, guess what? She's a, a brilliant journalist and does hard things like researches top 30 lists, which I believe she's mm. talking about, which is actually useful for sports. You know, the whole no, reason we dread- watch sports. <laughs> dreadful thing to do, though. <laughs> dreadful, and we, we mocked Robbo for years for doing it, but it's actually really hard. You know, go and try and yeah. do it for the for, for whatever, men's or women's, whatever you're a bigger fan of, and then have it stand up with uh, 10 fans of each club thinking that uh, the, uh, their person should be in front of it, which I think is a nice segue into the All-Australian team, Nick. Mm. So, uh, Shay Bolton, uh, first first All-Australian... All Nick, Nick I, think, I, think you, I think it's Shy, because um, the, if the head of the Players Association called it Shy, it's probably Shy. Sorry, I just ra- I did I derailed you early. They really need a new head of the players' association. I know, I know, it's a large and uh, sometimes far from united body of players, but oh god. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway, 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 so uh, so Shea was thoroughly deserved. He. On the, he was number one rated mid forward in in the sort of the advanced metrics. Anyone who's seen a games, Richmond games, seen how many games have turned off mm. his own boot. So well, I thought that was thoroughly deserved, and not frankly not a big surprise. It would it would have been yeah. it would have been the, the the really strange outcome would have been him not winning. By the by the round round twenty three, I actually thought Lynch should have made it too. Yeah, I don't know maybe maybe he missed too many games, but. Yeah, I don't know. It feels um, this is going to sound smug, um, but um, all, all Australian nods and rising star nods. While while we certainly care about them in the moment, and you want them for the individual players, like when when there's premierships uh, on offer, it, yeah, it's hard to care quite as much. Yeah, look, look. To be honest, if Rioli had won all Australian, I would have said. Uh, he probably didn't deserve it based on, on, on the metrics and I still mm. love him. It just it, he, had a, look, he had a great <laughs> season. He made the the All Australian squad yeah, fantastic. 
Yeah, and look, he was he was he was borderline for that too. But great for him. It's good. And you think about it, it's actually really hard. To, there's 18 teams, and they yeah. all have four backs. So you basically have to be in. I mean, one in 18 is roughly five percent. You have to be in the top five percent players. Like you know, the, the this is not. A, it's not like school where they sort of where once you're below 50 that they stop marking you know like this is a legitimate elite hierarchy and uh, it's to be in the top 20% of your peers of all these people who are elite athletes is actually really impressive yeah yeah and and I would say Rioli is top 10% which is really impressive yeah he's he's had a he's had a really good good season and and it's a it's a credit to him look we'll we'll run through um, probably got a bit too much this week with the interview with Sarah. We'll run through all the contract re-signings uh, next, next week. week, and because you know, he signed like, just after our last podcast. Yeah, and it looks like we'll be in full trade uh, speculation season um, uh, by the time we record next week. Given given some clubs are. Like, you know, doing their exit interviews and delisting players already, but yeah, look, Dan Dan Rioli, uh, genuinely difficult season uh, last year. Um, like, there's no, there's no sh- sugarcoating the 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 sent back to the to the VFL, not just to learn a new position, but also because he wasn't performing at his previous position. That you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't kicking goals. Um, you know, the pressure stats were still reasonable, but not off the charts. And yeah, he he really needed to turn his career around, and he did. So good on him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, he he's had some amazing moments, but he's if you kind of go through his career, he was never um, by sort of. Look, I know it's apples to oranges, but this is the case where the if you sort of use the AFL ratings and compare him to his peers playing that position, this is his best season, and mm. that 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 is not easy. So, and you know, I think that's a reasonable way to measure Dan Riolo because he's primarily attacking player. I think he's not the worst mm. defender as a halfback flank, but I, I think you're. Well, oh, he's got a lot better. Of course, no, 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 absolutely. But I, I don't think. You know, that's not why he's in his team, in the team. He's in mm. the team for the run he's providing. So I think it's quite reasonable to use offensive statistics to sort of measure him against his peers. And yeah, this is Bafari's best year. And that's not an easy thing to do at his, his age, and he reinvented himself. And, I'm, you know, I think we were on him pretty early in this. Not, it's not about us, but I, I think I, I really like the lines he runs. He's great, but nor do we need to get defensive about him being um, All-Australian because you you need to sort of go through the, 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 the numbers and see yeah, there's some pretty good players in front of him. some good players. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, I think the... the um, not rags to riches, but the, um, the... I mean, he was getting to the point of being mediocre to to elite. Like, mm. I think top 10% you're elite. And yeah, that's that's what he's been this year. So it's a great story. Well, it's a five-year contract. We'll, we'll talk about it a bit more. I th- And... He sort of he forced the club's hands. You know, there's no way mm. that, um, uh, that that would have been sort of what we would have offered him at the start of the year. But he's he's played his way into uh, yeah. lifetime security. Good for him. He, he's yeah, he's played really well. AFL lifetime security. Um, yeah, he, he's played really well. Um, he's been really healthy. He's in his mid twenties. Yeah. 
win win all round. Um, Andy, I just wanted to to sort of stop for a moment and collaborate and listen. <laughs> well, that as well, but um, reflect on what a deeply satisfying weekend of football it was. Mm-hmm. That that Carlton became the first team since Carlton in the last century to spend the whole season in the top eight and then drop out of a top eight um, in the last, what was it, 74 seconds left in their match. That, you know, you've got to stop and smell the flowers on this one. Oh, look, it was such a magnificent afternoon. Um, I, I'd actually just come home from watching um, mm. sort of our seconds play in actually lose a final, which is bit sad mm. but um then came home and got just in time to catch if you watch the bulldogs game as well to watch the live ladder click over the bulldogs go in front of carlton i mean that alone was you know, mm. magnificent because it set up the game yeah. and then you know I, I said this on twitter that i i, I wished at, when the game started i wanted to call it i wanted carlton to win because we get a home final against collingwood you know very exciting but just as the game went on and it got closer and towards the end it's just and I had a financial incentive for Colin, for Carlton to win, and I still just my heart was with the beauty of it. That's mm. the, the, you know the the reason we play football is for these these inflection points where the, the, where everything comes down to a few acts and and sort of all the emotions and all the spirit. It, it's just magnificent, and to see them lose that game like that, like I, I, I shed mm. tears of joy, Nick. It was beautiful. I know it's deeply satisfying. Um. I checked, and so um, over the past 20 years, Carlton has won 36% of their games. It's just, you know, just, you know the, the good times and the bad times don't last forever, but, it's, you know, we need to appreciate just just what a, a diabolical couple of uh, decades uh, it's been. Um and Nick, I was amused that the, I mean, like it was probably just a media beat up, but one of the Carlton players, the AFLW players, said that they're going to get revenge on Collingwood in the AFLW. Well, they're starting at $3, uh, sort of an implied probability of that game at about 25%. So, you know, they're not so doing so well there. <laughs> are they? Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say? Well, the, um, not just that it's been the last couple of decades for Carlton, but... Um, you know, it's it's almost been overshadowed by the you know, constant stream of press releases and um, departures, but before and after the game. But um, Essendon closed off a disappointing game uh, to round out a disappointing decade to round out a, what's been a disappointing century for them. Yeah, indeed. I, I did like that the Essendon finals drought has, is now eligible to drive tweet. Um, that was very amusing. Yep. Oh, that's that's not this weekend, the weekend after. Uh, it's um, S- September the 4th for those who celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to friend of the show, Ryan. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, it, look, and again, the Schadenfreude has just been... has, has, has mm. been magnificent over the last few weeks. I think Essendon, I really like enjoying and the reason, we'll get to the game, it's just, it, it's Wednesday and actually Thursday we're recording this now and um, it wasn't that exciting game, but we'll get to it. But things, if if you haven't listened to it, Rowan Connolly has a fantastic uh, 
football podcast called Footyology, which he uh, he um, records with Robert Shaw, um, former AFL coach. And it is fascinating to see people like, they are like twice, these are both people, one's been a journalist around football for decades and the other's a former AFL coach. And they're big enough to use than we are. And they, they're so emotional and over the top and um, the football, like they'll analyze, analyze positions to the depth that we would never do. Like, you know, it'd be like us talking about Simon Matthews, uh, executive assistant, who's, who's lovely, but rarely comes up in the podcast. In fact, never will. Because <laughs> um, we, we don't analyze back office staff because, you know, it's, they're human beings doing a job, but they just, they analyze everything. They're so upset and sort of, and it was all a house of cards, you know, they had a small recovery, but that port game just sent them in a, in a death spiral because they were, you know, the, the knives were out and poised and the, the sort of the, the factions got a chance and, um, you know, the bloodletting begins. But I'm worried, Nick, that the president, like, he sacked, you know, poor truck was poor, shabbily treated and continues a long history of them shabbily treating um, uh, people who are involved with Richmond. Mm. But I'm worried that they might get rid of our oh, double agent. I, I... <laughs> that that is a legitimate concern. Like the that although he, he, like he, he's he's the second best asset at the Richmond Football Club, other than our actual assets. <laughs> the, it, it does it does seem with all the back backroom scheming that um the the Doro linked faction is is stronger than than ever. Like the, well, can, some, can we dream? Can we dream? <laughs> somehow he he and Sheedy. Um, a, a real power brokers behind the scenes. It's, it is anyway. It's pretty incredible. Um, it is um not just for the making Essendon look bad aspect of it. Um, but you know, Adam, Adam Kingsley, um, uh, got the GWS Giants uh coaching job. Um, which was which actually uh, the AFL website had a really good article on on the process they ran um, to to select Kingsley. And yeah, it seems like a really good process, and got the the, the contrast with Essendon even even more striking. But um, yeah, they they had they ran a really thorough process, and and one of the key factors was wanting to play uh, a more more excrete, uh, attacking style of play similar to, to what Richmond's done. So, yeah, that was, I, I thought that was really interesting. But also, you know, and I would I would seriously take uh, Brett, Brett Rat, Rutten, well, sorry, Ben Rutten back as a uh, assistant coach um, in the same way, you know, with Lepich and, and Teague have... Have joined Dimmer's staff after after being senior coaches because yeah, no. yeah I think that, 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 that was sort of the most popular popular reaction on Richmond Twitter. I think that should we take run yeah. well, we'll see. You know, he might want some time off. Who can blame him? But um, yeah, I think the the bigger thing is that the thing that's definitely happened is we've lost Kingsley, which is a big loss. Mm. Sadly, um, yeah. it was sort of I, I heard nothing but assistant coaches don't do interviews anymore, which was often our only insight into them. But yeah, the um, he was apparently a very good, uh, mm. very good coach. So we we hear from Steve Morris a lot. Well, yeah, but that's fair enough. He's the VFL coach, but you know yeah. the, the other one, the, the other ones. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, 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 a loss not to be underestimated, and good for him, and good that there's a pathway. But yeah, it's actually 
bad for us that we've lost him. So mm. at least in the short term. So good for him, um, though. And fantastic guns. I didn't actually realize how um, um, Jack yeah. was. There has been a suggestion that he's in better shape than he was during his playing days. Yeah, he, he skips. You couldn't like he he doesn't work his shoulders out at all. Like he seemed like he's very focused on his biceps. So you know, <laughs> it's always arm day. <laughs> so you know, good for him. But uh, I just hope it doesn't. And we'll talk about Toronto uh, next week. But it doesn't affect the GWS. Um, mm. Fine, so. Yeah, the, uh, the, the yearly, the yearly that, GWS fast. Yeah, I mean they've still they've still got a salary cap crisis, and and Toronto's out of contract. So yeah, it's yeah. Mm. I was like, how, how do we look for next week? Mm. So the game we we keep well, it, it it was a bit flat. Demo gave the team a rev at half time, but mm. it, it um. Uh, Essendon played the uh, the role nicely of the t- team that um, was obviously thinking of Mad Monday and things got a little bit tough. The, the witches' hats in circle work. Yeah, well, well eventually they put up a a, a token spirit yeah, resistance and, and to look, start with. Yeah, and you know they they um it's a, it's a decent midfield and they got some they got some big numbers uh, through there with Merritt, Shield, uh, Parish. You know, between them had more than twenty clearances, which is which is a pretty a big number. Um, yeah, look, the hit out stats were pretty even, but it felt felt like the hit out to advantage stats were were a lot more uh, one sided. But yeah, the well, the, they were they were more than two to one. So you're correct. Mm. But yeah, the the it just felt like in terms of having having a functioning structure and, and system, we were we were a fair bit ahead and and just the, the personnel in some in some key spots like um Laverde um um I mean matching up on, on Tom Lynch is, is really hard, but you know, by the third quarter and they're trying um Jaden Laverde on him who's you know um uh, 193 uh, centimeters, and um, you know, shouldn't shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the um, the, the monster key forwards. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Lynch had 12 contested possessions, which is uh, and finishes behind Travis Cloak as the the best uh, contested mark uh, season mm. since the statistics being kept, as we mentioned the other day. So he was dominant again. The five goals. Hopefully the groin is just a precaution. Um, yeah. I certainly did. I thought so live, but um, it seemed, you know, they did seem genuinely worried about it. If it was all just a, mm. um, a pantomime to justify the use of the sub, they certainly acted very well. So I suspect it's real. Um, yeah, it, it, as you say, it was a more. It was a. It was more of a stereotypical Richmond game of the sort mm. of the, the early the early Premiership uh, era where we got done in the clearances, but. Um, you know, sort of dominated the game in the inside fifty. So you know, all, all the the game flow metrics was a clear victory. Um, we actually had a good day for goal goal kicking, um, which must have annoyed you slightly. I don't know, Nico. <laughs> if you believe it's random, you don't want to waste these random variations on on team games where you don't need. Yeah, it, but... there is. Uh, I need to to look into this more. The North Melbourne game is just so ridiculous. The like the part of me. Part of me thinks that when we don't have Tom Lynch, 
um, there's there's more wild swings because we're taking um, further out shots of goal, and so they're they're lower probability. So you're sort of you're more likely to go through these you long get variance around the main. Yeah, yeah, you get these these long cold streaks. But then I mean, Lynch himself goes through. Yeah, has games where um, his his kickings. You almost uh, lost a game off his own boot this year. Yeah, um, but then the the North Melbourne game, God, we missed like three or four shots at the top of the goal square. Mm. Uh, anyway, um, I, I, I did actually. I looked at the same thing. Um, looked at Lynch's absences and see mm. um, how much it was correlated with bad goal kicking, and there was a little bit of relationship. But he actually played a reasonable amount of time, so you don't really have a big enough sample to make a definitive no. thing. Because it, no, it is random. But, so I, I, I did wonder the same thing though. The, the forward line's working really well. No, um, when Lynch yeah. isn't clunking them, the balls coming to ground in dangerous spots. You know, Cumberland. Um, Continues uh, his his charmed life, like uh, with yeah, the, just with the, with the three goals and through through mix of um, skill and uh, persistence <laughs> and positioning. Um, uh, Morris Rioli uh, Junior again, no, isn't he's not really. Yeah, you know, I'd love to see him have a game where he just tears it apart, but. You know, he was good. Um, Shane Edwards, three goals, uh, was good. Um, the Jack, Jack Ross played a really good game in in that half forward role. Um, but and it, this sounds patronising, but honestly, some of the time he he had so much time and space to make decisions inside fifty, which you just don't normally get. That and. I almost wondered if it's going to translate against against the really good teams that bring a lot of pressure. Yeah, that is a really good point. By the way, just on Jack Ross, do you think for a for a player that has played as much as he has, he holds the all time record for people saying that's his best ever game for Richmond and <laughs> <laughs> different games? I don't know. I felt like he said that um, about Shane Edwards a bit, <laughs> beating times as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. But yes, the the, the sort of the cycle of the, the Jack Ross cycle of um, plays a good game, plays a mediocre game, Dimmer drops him, and then he comes back and plays a good game, and then everyone forgets his previous good games. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty entrenched thing. Yeah, I mean, look, I know I I, I had the same thought about how Shedder's game's going to hold up in the a final because he gets mm. like he's averaging under five contested possessions a game now and um, so sort of you, you could ask that question of there's a lot of things that happened in this game that you you could ask the mm. question of is is the is this is this sustainable but you know you don't get a very big sample size in final so it'll be over before we blink if 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 we're mm. wrong and one or both mm. of those players can't hang hold up you know when we'll be We'll be talking about, you know, it'll be next year's problem because the game, the season will be over. But yeah, it is a it is a valid question. But at least, at he least he really, was, yeah, he was I mean, really he, he was, was still really good. And um, the the Brakings really liked his game, which they yeah, uh, second, we've discussed second, before. Second best on um, uh, AFL player ratings. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, I Cumberland is the one I. I I weirdly have complete faith in that um, on some level his game will hold up, which is because in some ways he's doing the hardest thing um, to to be sustainable. Is it? He's getting a lot of shots at goal every week. That, that's a that's exactly. a good that's a good sign for me. And he's not just uh, 
a one-trick uh, pony, um, and and the, he's bringing he's bringing heat on defence as well. So yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty good. Did you see his interview after the game? No, I didn't. It was really interesting. Like he gave Jack a lot of credit to um, for teaching him how to move and stuff, but he also made a comment along the lines of Jack's. We're not getting quite the the output from Jack that we used to, um, sure. which is yeah. He was very respectful, but there was also, a, and I think he made the comment he wants him to play on. But um, yeah, there was also a, um, there was a recognition of of, of how the tides of youth and football have changed. Mm. Yeah, and stuff. The uh, Essendon had um, nine of the worst ten players on the ground, um, medical medical subs notwithstanding. Like it, it really, you know, our worst player on the player ratings was Robbie Tarrant, and you know he was fine. <laughs> you know, better right got away from him. A, a worst, times, worst, worst Richmond player. Worst Richmond player. Yeah, and um. Sonzi's game didn't rate all that well, and I thought I thought he was certainly did his bit, and we got nineteen possessions, so it was yeah, a disaster. Continued to be um, impressed by him. Um, the, the ratings they were they were career best games on the on the ratings for uh, both uh, Josh Gibkiss and and Ben Miller. Well, and Jack Ross as well, but it feels feels more surprising that. For both Gibkiss and Miller, yeah, um, that kick that I mean, that kick that he did over the top to Cumbie that led to mm. the goal, um, yeah, like that that was, that, that was a that, nice bit of work. That that will make the A4 ratings explode um, <laughs> the, the way they're designed. But I've never seen anyone more open than that. Like truly, that was um, uh, yep. That, that was a testament to all that's awful about Essendon. I've never seen someone get that open in a, a live AFL game on a transition like that. A um, couple of things, Nick. Um, so, I, well, actually, one, I just want to mention Cochin, who had another semi-decent game with 25 uh, touches. Um, Cochin has now completed his best season. I checked his stats, and I, must have, I heard this on read this on the internet and I wasn't quite sure, but it turned out to be true that Cochin's now had his best season by the sort of the, the contested ball um, and clearance metrics since, which is, you know, inside mid's pretty good measure, uh, since 2018. So, he, you know, he's, he's there was a clear elite period in Cochin's um, career, which has actually been over for a little while. But um, this is this is certainly the best of, of the rest of the last four years of football. So, so good, good for Cochin. He's, he's, you know, he had that, that um, uh, the collarbone injury, but he actually still played more games than any other in any year since two thousand and eighteen too. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, I think I think physically he's uh, moving across the ground well. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been it's been nice to to see, and, and yeah, the 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 chatter is um, certainly for. For him, him to go on and, um, you know, potentially, potentially Jack uh, as well, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah, Jack's Jack's going okay, but yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's all about price 
well, I think with both of them, because Jack's, you know, he's in the still in the top one hundred most highly played players in the AFL. But yeah, I've heard I've heard that list with the Herald Sun list was a bit funky. I have heard it, it wouldn't surprise well, me. Well, but but of course, but of course, people are going to leak that, aren't they? Because um, and they can't. No one can complain about it because they don't make it public. Oh God, I'm sick of making that point. But at least at least they tried. Um, mm. But who, who claimed it was a bit funky? Uh, the West Coast coach. Um, oh, well, he's got zero credibility, God. Because, of course, they're well, going to say that. Well, he... Um, yeah, but he said that they were... He specifically said that on some of the contracts, they were out by 200,000. So, you know... Oh, I wonder high or low. <laughs> and the word estimated is, is in the article. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, because um, they, they, they don't get it publicly. But um, it's, no. still the, it's, it's still the best... Because it, it compares like with like about what what's publicly said said about um, the players from all the teams, um, but you know the team teams and and agents deliberately misrepresent this data. So I actually I I, I support the Herald Sun for at least trying to do it. Mm. Um, Jack Real five goal assists. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and so even even when it's not not his day, um, yeah, still. still oh, I actually, absolutely, I would like it. I would like Jack to play. I mean, like, what about his chase down tackle in a dead rubber? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and stuff the, like that. Yeah, just the, in his, just the, he showing the, the, the speed. Um, yeah, look, if, if he's if he's prepared to take the right salary, God, I'd, yeah, I'd play him on. But, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot oh, to that. And, and, you know, functional functional second key forwards don't grow on trees, are they? Yeah, but the, I mean, there is a world where he plays a bit of VFL next year, um, which he might not want to. Anyway, I feel this is a topic for next week. We're getting off mm. the point of the game. Um, how are you feeling about Miller? I'm deeply conflicted. Uh, I like how he just seems really confident um, linking up in the middle. Um, and, you know, he had a he, he had another uh, nicely taken... Uh, goal from a from a slightly soft free kick. Um, yeah, the rucking rucking against first rucks is still uh, not not overwhelming, but mm, I like having him in the team. Mm. Yeah, he's still. I mean, for the hype and the ratings, like him, he's getting no more possessions than Soldo does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah. probably less. I'll, I'll, I'll double check again uh, the really numbers before safe. next week. Um, but yeah, he's uh, the question. We, we've played against a few teams that uh, aren't aren't doing the two 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 ruck structure. So yeah, mm. yeah, he's, and, he's definitely he, interesting. But no, I, 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 no, I think no, that is Brisbane. He's playing. He's playing a bit more than um, Soldo does, which is interesting. Yeah, that is true. And we're just playing him completely forward. Now, presumably, there is a chance that he might roll back if there's a sort of cascading injury. And it actually does make some sense to play him with Dusty because if Dusty gets injured, you might want to. You need more flexibility. If you're sort of worried that Dusty, there's a thirty percent chance Dusty will redo his hammy, that it makes more sense to play Miller, who gives you more positional flexibility if there's a secondary injury. Because it doesn't matter if you have one injury in AFL, but it matters if you get two. You need to cover it. But this is getting onto the. Uh, the next week. Oh well, actually, let's just do it quickly, Nick, because every Richmond player is our t- person is is having this debate. I know it's jumping ahead to next week, but let's have an early shot. What's your first thought about who who goes out for Dusty? 
It's really hard. Um, yes, which is why he runs the body. Uh, I'll go. I'll go first, and you can react to it. Um, so, George, an extraordinary game by George to play almost a full quarter and not touch the ball. Um, yeah, I knew. Almost uh, so sorry for him. <laughs> he, he does. He's such a character, and some like uh, we'll miss him when we'll look at him back really fondly because um, <laughs> he's various things, and his goal kicking never cost us a big final. Um, but to, he, to me, he goes out, Sonsi goes to sub, and Dusty comes into the team. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sonsi or Ross? Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I just think Ross gives you more sort of depth and ability to play a few different positions, like. Personally, as I made clear, I think it should be Shedder, but there's no way Dimmer's going to do that. So, um, yeah, I just think it's... Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I would prefer... I guess Ross has been dropped more recently, so it's more mm, likely. I would. De- yeah. I, I think Sonsi would be a good sub. Um, and uh, anyway, that that was my... What I want it to be is Shedder. What I think it'll be is Sonsi, but you make a good point with Ross. But yeah, any any anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, look, Sonsi's coming in and been really consistent, perhaps perhaps more so than, than Ross has. I don't know. Ross did play a really good game, like, without patronising Essendon comments aside. Um, he, he played really well, and he thought his way through situations, and, yeah, yeah it, it was a good game. Yeah. I wonder whether Ross is expected to do more to, to, to a... Um, action uh, two way running um, in his his role, but you know I can't I can't prove that statistically. Mm. It's just a suspicion I have from watching them both. Um, you know we've uh, we've already talked about him a bit. Um, Dan Rioli, 10, 10 intercept possessions, um, pretty pretty big number. Played played another good game. Liam Baker off half back. Yeah, most courageous player, really yeah. Most courageous player in the yeah. In the he had been a it's sort of a. I, I, I know a few people have been saying he'd been a bit down, but he had yeah. Uh, Baker had twenty six uh, touches and ten intercepts, so that's that's pretty on point. And he had, mm. he had ten score involvements uh, off the half back line, so yeah, that's pretty fair mm. at the office. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they both played really well, and actually looking. You know, we're arguing about um, Sonsi, Sonsi and Ross. Um, they, uh, they. It was, it was it was a pretty mild argument. Yeah, but they they co-legged the team in score involvements with fourteen each. Yeah, yeah that's, there was a fair bit of scoring going on in fairness. <laughs> there was, and yeah, it wasn't wasn't always the the most pressure. But yeah, I think I think Bolter's uh, in pretty good form. Uh, down back, like it just, yeah. The, the team, the team feels in pretty settled and in and in good shape, all, all things considered. Did the Michael Hurley last goal sort of give you flashback and slightly nice, but just a not intentional but unintentional patronisation of how we treated the Hurley thing? Um, did that give you flashbacks at all to our, our the bad old days? Um. Oh, we uh, in one of our group chats, I suggested that it was a bit like when the Indian cricket team uh, gifted uh, Nathan Lyon a signed shirt after they'd scored a million runs off him. 
it's just yeah well, well you know you, and, and in that chat i you know i disagree that that's what they were trying to do but um yeah i did i actually did think about that comparison myself yeah i i think in a close tight game um oh no way he scores a goal yeah we're just not going to be nearly as accommodating look we've we've been you know we're, we're always classy to opposition players after after the fact and i think that reflected that it was an extremely dead uh, dead game and had been for more than half an hour. Um, yeah, I, and I had no idea Hurley's nickname was Bear, which was uh, amongst the yeah. supporters. Which is, uh, yeah, well, um, uh, I don't know. Their next sort of great, great generational player will be called Sub or some other sort of <laughs> <laughs> Twinkle. Uh, sorry. Moving, anyway, moving, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I don't know. Oh, look, it, 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 it's a it's an emotional time of year. I'm, yeah, and you know we've talked about um, Jack and Cochin uh, endlessly, but yeah, we've we've already had the, the three emotional retirement speeches this year. <laughs> I don't know if I can cope with anymore. Oh, well, absolutely! I'm feeling a bit emotionally vulnerable. Now, Nick, so there's a big AFLW preview come. Oh, sorry, there's anything else you wanted to say about the game? I, th- I think, look, I, I think... No, no. F- frankly, um, the, the replay was fun, but it, it wasn't... You know, it, 13, it was, 13 game winning streak. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, exactly. Um, but it was not... I, I, I didn't feel like I was eating... I didn't feel it was like there was much fibre in the meal when I was, I was no. re- re-watching. Now, a very disappointing end for the, the Richmond VFL... Um, I know. At least was, they won. Yeah, they they beat they they took care of business and and beat Frankston, but they, they needed Just. to. Um, yeah, but they needed to absolutely flog Frankston, given the, given the way other other matches turned out, and they kicked nine goals, um, eighteen, which was which was pretty frustrating, and. Uh, Jake Bauer in the in the Tom Lynch role as the uh, normally accurate, um, but um, this time extremely wayward um, uh, key forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, they they had a good season. Would have been would have been really fun to see them in the in the finals. I think I think they could have done a, uh, some damage, but yeah. Yeah, it was like I'm, you know, occasionally it's a bit affected, but you know, I'm really sad. I'm not going to see Soldo most likely for the rest of the year, and he, he was great in the last. Like he absolutely mm. dominated the hitouts, uh, game uh, through the whole game. But uh, he was actually great in the last few minutes. Took a great contested mark, kicked a big goal, um, and then was just destroying them in the ruck. Mm. Um, he got. Bought off the last two minutes, and then I saw on Instagram he had a black eye. So I don't know why. Maybe that those two things were related. But I, I can t- make Kalina Mate. But basically, he rucked the last few minutes, and I heavily lost that game. I tell you what, that would have I would have come in hot with my um, bad ruck <laughs> rotation takes. But as it was, we we won, and uh, Mate actually got a few. He got um, he got his uh, regulation four disposals, but he actually got fourteen hitouts. So yeah, three some, three clearances, five tackles. Yeah. Some really weird technique. Really strange, but yeah, he's a he's a funny athlete. I mean, as as you would expect from the tallest, you know, the tallest athlete to ever, to ever play NFL. It, it does look weird. But, um, look, uh, 
worth worth noting um a number of the the younger younger players played really well um Sam Banks bounced back from from a very quiet game the, the week before to have uh, 26 disposals it was really nice to see Hugo Ralph Smith uh, played really well Judson Clark 19 disposals in and three three goals to varying levels of outrageousness, uh, particularly yep. the, la- the, the last goal, which was particularly, yeah, uh, particularly uh, outrageous. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was some that was some fun performances. Sorry, I was on mute. Um, yeah, to his credit, Jake Hart's at thirty-five. Um, so just in time for Dimmer to pick him for a final. Um, RCD had nineteen. Nice. Hugo had 27, and amazingly, a commentator um, was commenting on on his hair, um, like he, he'd just grown it. Um, dep- slightly depressingly, Dow was only uh, one player above Soldo on the possession list, um, uh, on the yeah. Richmond possession list. Yeah. <laughs> That's suboptimal he's for any time. He's an up-and-down game. Um, Riley Sydney. Colley-Dawkins um, finished, finished the game in the... In the Season, season pretty well. Um, potentially his Richmond career. Potentially anyway. his Richmond career. Um, the Tom Brown played pretty well again. Someone who's sort of struggled struggled a bit um, uh, at the at the end of the year. But yeah, no. Uh, look, uh, I'll 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 miss the the AFL uh, in the finals. Uh, I think it's nice when you've got the whole the whole club in there. Um, oh yeah, and I, I would have gone this week. Would have loved to have gone. Um, mm. By the way, uh, Stacky had eight tackles and to go with the Specky and mm, uh, but only thirteen yeah. uh, touches. So yeah, another, another almost game from Sydney Stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit frustrating, but yeah. Look, um, I think I think it's been. We've got a we've got a fair bit out of the the season in terms of uh, younger players developing. I think I think Jack Bowers um, been a good story in the in the second half of the year, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he um, you know with a AFL uh, preseason, some more time in the weight room. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what he looks like. Uh, Next year, um, Samson Ryan clearly developed. Um, all all the draftees uh, had their moments. So yeah, no, it, well, it's been a productive, if not overwhelming, AFL season. Yeah. By the way, did you know Sonsi got coaches' votes against this? I did. Um, the the coaches' votes were really weird. Yeah, actually. really the, weird. Um, Sonsi got four votes from one coach and none from the other, and. Um, Jack Ross got five votes from one coach and none from the other. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wouldn't have remotely thought that Sonzi was in. Um, and Prestia, Prestia got heaps of votes um, and was actually sort of only had seven contested possessions. Like he had thirty overall and blitzed mm. in the third quarter. It was it was a pretty open game. Yeah, and uh, he, he was uh, always uh, around the ball. Um, I would have given it to Lynch. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, that, so sorry, we, we've over discussed this uh, game, but um, yeah, it was just a. Uh, mm. Some I just saw the coaches' words. Someone 
Wallace sent a text with them. So, um, you know, as his uh, usual um, impressive level of uh, Richmond-related out- output. Um, look, uh, we've, uh, we should transition... Uh, Sarah, Sarah Black. Well, uh, and look, it's more of a se- season preview rather than a, um, a round one preview, but... Um, yeah, it's a, it's quite a big game this week. Geelong, Geelong down at Taxpayer Park. Um, uh, they, you know, and we've had we've, uh, in you know, the noon, in front of the beautiful Noonan Grandstand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, it's uh, we've got you know in our five weeks we've got Brisbane and Adelaide, which uh, yeah. <laughs> Daunting, to say the least. Um, to expansion things. Yeah. The, the, so, so I was just thinking about this, like, like in my ill-informed way. But for those who don't know, and I'm sure Sarah is about to explain. It, sort of, there are three elite teams in the AFLW, um, and they all had a percentage above 180 last year. So that's really, really elite. You know, for comparison, Geelong mm. had 140 in the men's, and then you've got the expansion teams who despite some optimism, a prob- our own experience probably indicates they're going to be crap. So you're left with a, a middle class, and now that there's eight teams can make it, because previously the middle class couldn't... Mm. Not that... Because the, the, the final system was smaller, there's actually now a chance for a fighting middle class, and we are playing one of those middle class teams on yeah. the weekend, so you actually yeah, don't have... You don't have much... that many... Sorry, I was going to say you yeah, don't have that many 50-50 games in the AFL, and this is one of them. AFLW. Yeah, it's a, it's a real swing... Yeah, and and the season's pretty. It's short. an eight point game. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the team's pretty settled. Um, we've, and we're playing in Geelong. Fish shake. <laughs> um, we haven't we haven't seen the lineup yet, but uh, hopefully the injury list is is pretty short. So. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um. So yeah, well. Yeah. If it was if it just a bit, the logistics was just slightly easier. I think I'd go down and watch it. Hmm. Oh, the, the one time I, I went down to, well, we went down to Kidney Park. It was such a miserable experience. I haven't been back since. Yeah, yeah but I mean, the AFLW is such a different experience. Like, it's just yeah, so much true. more accessible. You get in and out quickly. You, you can park nearby. It um, was a truly terrible Richmond team as well. Yeah, whereas this game, <laughs> we actually have a fighting chance in this game. <laughs> <this game. laughs> yeah, and it'd be yeah. a uh, Yeah, we're, we're mild on the dogs, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so fun, interesting team. There's still, you know, we're basically there's a there's a genuine questions which I'm sure you're covering the preview, and um, I don't want to say anything, talk too much because um, Sarah might say the opposite, and then I'll look like I'll look silly. So, <laughs> so looking forward, I'm really looking forward to listening to this interview, and I'm I'm sorry I couldn't join in. Yep. No. Um. So we'll be back next week. Um. Preview Brisbane. Um. Talk about hopefully when. Uh, a win against Geelong and, and go through some of the some of the off-season trade and contract stats. But yeah, over to Sarah. And it's a big welcome back for friend of the show and I think four-time guest now, Sarah Black. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah, I think four times sounds about right. It's sort of um, mm. you know, some of those were lost in the mist of the mist of lockdown. You can't really remember what's uh, what's up and what's down, but. <laughs> We're only a couple of days out from yeah. AFLW now, so uh, yeah, can't wait. I know. It's, is it is it AFLW Christmas for you? 
It is. It's Christmas twice in, in one year, which is well, three times if you count actual Christmas. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, and, of course, you know, this is the first time we're going to have all 18 teams too, so nine games of footy per round. Um, you know, what more could you want? Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. The I feel like um, have, starting it in this bye week, um, you know, just, just when everyone's... Uh, who's, who's been following the men? Like suddenly, there's this big gap in their life. Oh, and and it's round one, and there's new teams and players with new teams. Like it, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said also for the the routine um, of you know Saturday night. If you're not doing anything, chuck on the footy. Um, you know, and in this bye weekend, there will be footy to watch. The the, the girls are playing. Um, you know, and some of the, I think the AFL have been pretty canny with the games that they've put in round one too. So, you know, Adelaide and Melbourne, a grand final rematch on a Friday night. Um, Brisbane and Fremantle have been two of the really strong performing sides. They're going to be playing against each other. Um, and more specifically to this podcast, Tigers and Cats um, on Sunday. Um, and two up and coming sides. I think that's going to be a really good game. Mm, it is, it's pretty exciting. The only, unfortunately, not. Not at Punt Road, but look at da- even down at GMHBH, uh, that was the scene of a of a pretty exciting win a, a couple of years ago. So the the venue should have n- no demons for the for the girls, I think. No, no, not at all. The um, actually, I was in the I was in Punt Road headquarters a couple of weeks ago for Shane Edwards' three hundredth presser, and they um in the boardroom they've got up a massive like wall-sized print of the the girls after that first win against the Cats, their first ever AFLW win. Um, I think that was a pretty special night for the club as a whole. Yeah, and I've I've enjoyed in the in the in the Peggy Fest that we've had in the in the past um, month how how much she's talked about, you know, getting it getting a Richmond team in, in AFLW and, and what that's meant to her. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was a big night. Yeah, it's funny. You look back on pre-AFLW and it's sort of like why why didn't we have women playing footy? Like, like it doesn't really make sense now that we're, we're used to it. Maybe that's just me being in the AFLW bubble. But, um, but, yeah, it's definitely changed the world of football, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. The, and, and not having... Uh, the club with the most members and quite possibly the most passionate members from from day one, but but oh well, that's that that's a a long gone argument. But we we've, we've got a season right in front of us. I think in a in a pretty chaotic off season, I think Richmond's flown a little bit under the radar. Obviously, uh, getting Grace Egan back. Uh, from Carlton, probably the the headline addition, but it but it seems more a, a season of of continuity than change. I think. Yeah, the Tigers did really well actually. Um, in terms of the the trade season was comfortably the most chaotic we've ever had. Um, just in terms of the sheer number of players shifting. Um, obviously with four new sides coming in, that's always going to happen, and and I don't think we're ever going to see anything quite like that again. But the Tigers, as you said, brought across Grace Egan. You know, the argument is there that, that she probably shouldn't have gone to Carlton in the first place. But, um, you know, talking about things that, that are in the past now, that's that's one of them. Um, you know, in terms of players lost, um, you know, Sarah Dargan was sort of on the fringe. Ingrid Hootsma didn't play a game. 
Uh, a catch, Michael Chot, was also arguably on the fringe as the season progressed. So, um, you know, they didn't lose too many out of their, their best 22, sorry, 21 for AFLW, except for the retirement of Taylor Stahl. I reckon that one caught the Tigers off guard um, and it sort of hastened the need to bring in Steph Williams from the Cats. Um, and I think, you know, if anyone saw any of the practice match, or, or even the, the match sim against Frio. Steph's, um, she's a really exciting player um, up from Darwin, um, you know, can really just just great greater electricity at ground level and, and she fits the Richmond mould perfectly, men's or women's. Yeah, I thought I thought that was notable. Uh, her along with Amelia Yasir, there was there's a bit more bit more bite around the ball in the in the forward line, um, bit of excitement which which we like to see. And whew, it's a good goal celebration from from Steph Williams. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that's really interesting, I think, about the Tigers um, compared to some of the other AFLW teams is. They haven't really made a secret of the fact that they're looking to emulate their men's program as much as possible. There's arguments both for and against that. But in terms of the game plan, they're really looking to replicate that Richmond style that we're so used to seeing in the men's. Um, so like you said, Steph Williams, Amelia Yassir, you know, they're, they're those chaos players. They really thrive on it. So to have Courtney Wakefield um, at full forward, being that that target, you know, the, the Tom Lynch, the Jack Rewalt, you know, that if she doesn't mark the footy, um, you know, you'll have those girls at ground level to, to really feast on the crumbs. Yeah, the, it's – and perhaps it's an unfortunate uh, parallel to the men that um, uh, if Courtney Wakefield slash uh, Tom Lynch get injured, there's a – it's a – it's a pretty. It feels like a pretty inexperienced group uh, behind them. Who, who do you who do you think would be the first key forward off off the bench out of that that sort of Jemima Woods, Amelia uh, Peak just signed this week, Sarad Taylor, um, who's who's a Category B rookie. Like that, that it feels like uh, some pretty untrained uh, options there. Yeah, it's probably reflective of AFLW as a whole, if I'm perfectly honest. You know, there's only 30 players in the squad um, for every side and, um, you know, so there's not much room to to have a heap of developing players. You can't tuck away a Ben Miller for five years um, and, and hope that they come good. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, after a couple of years of COVID in Victoria, the, the depth at state level isn't really there either. So, you know, the, the next generation of key forwards are going to be 18, 19. So Katie Brennan, um, you know, I haven't really spoken about her. I, I know she's an important centre-half forward, but, you know, she can play deep. Um, Jemima is the most experienced, Jemima Woods, um, coming out of the, the Western Bulldogs. Um, I thought she, she showed a few good signs um, in the practice matches and the like. There's always Stella Reid, but, you know, as we said, you know, eight, she's still 18. Mm. You sort of forget that. Yes, we're in a new season, but these girls aren't really any older. They're four months older. Um, so it's going to take Stella a few years. Sarade Taylor, you mentioned, um, she's definitely um, definitely a, a development player. Um, they're, they're actually looking for her to be a key defender in the long run, um, but she's mm. pretty tied up with her WNBL um, commitments at the moment and, and they, they don't really expect to use her at all this year. Um, it's more of a in case of emergency for Sarade. Yeah, the, um, I was interested in in Stella Reid because she, I mean, we 
talked her out of it uh, on a podcast last time. She she's got the the draft pedigree, kicked a lot of goals, won a lot of football as a junior. So she seems to be an improver in in preseason. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think she benefited from um, like she really she was in that draft class that just didn't play any footy for a couple of years um, last year. Um, and so she, she's really benefited from the fact that the VFLW was running concurrently with the AFLW. So she was able to go back to Port Melbourne um, and, and just get some games under her belt, um, you know, and that's that's really crucial. I, I think that, you know, we're so used to seeing the, the top draftees come in and have a huge impact in AFLW more so than the men. You know, Nick Dacos is sort of one out of the box there, but that's a bit more common in the women's. Um, but I think that rule still applies when it comes to key position players across men's and women's. It, you just you just have to give them time. Yeah. Oh, look, and it, I mean, the forward line has looked great in the in the preseason. Maybe maybe not against the the best opposition. Yeah, but that, that, that's yeah. the that's the asterisk. Is that I sort of expect Hawthorne to to finish either last or second last. Um, so it was great that they, you know, put the foot down. But, um, but yeah, I don't think the Hawks – I think the Hawks going to struggle this year. Mm. The, so the, they've, got, they've got the Hawks, uh, I think, round three. And then round four, they've got Essendon, obviously one of the other expansion teams, but maybe one, one with some bigger expectations. These, these feel – I mean – before the season even starts, it seems silly to talk about really vital games, but they they seem pretty important. Yeah, I think the Tigers, if the Tigers are legit this year, and like there's going to be a top eight, which um, also helps matters compared to a top six that we've been previously running with. But if they're serious about making a real push for finals, um, they, they just absolutely have to win those games. There's no getting around it. Um, they have to comfortably beat those expansion sides um, and they have to sort of be, be pushing up and consistently beating the likes of Geelong, St Kilda, GWS um, in order to establish themselves Sounds. in the top eight. And I think they can, to be perfectly honest. I know. I, do, I enjoyed it. Your, your preview had, had Richmond finishing sixth. I mean, obviously, this is a, a safe space here for, <laughs> for Richmond supporters, but that, that was pretty exciting. Yeah, look... It may have been a little bit high, um, but it's also just a consequence of what's happening at other clubs. So Fremantle, for example, were a preliminary finalist. Um, they've been decimated by expansion and injury, um, so I expect them to drop down a little bit. Collingwood, the same. They haven't been able to cover some of their star players who are going to miss with injury, um, so they might drop a, drop a little as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that there's sort of a middle band where – People could end up anywhere. I'm throwing the dogs in that, the Giants, Blues, Tigers um, and Dockers. So, you know, their pre-season predictions are stabs in the dark. But there's been a lot of positive talk out of the Tigers and, and around the competition about how the Tigers are expected to go. Oh, glad glad to hear it. I mean, it is the, – the club is relentlessly upbeat in, in, how, in how they talk about um, the team, which, are, which is great. I mean, even – Perhaps even uh, when the on-field performances don't deserve it, but there's a there's a clear attempt to create a cult, a really positive culture around the team, which which I've enjoyed. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I think they've taken a lot of heart out of the fact that they were able to put on big scores last season. Um, so, and, you know, obviously the defence was, was pretty, it was a makeshift defence with Harriet Cordner going down in round mm. two or whatever it was. Um, you know, they, they really had to had to just patch it up as best they could. Um, so the, they've, you know, targeted players in the off-season to try and cover that key back hole. I really liked what I saw from Eilish Shearer and Mature Age uh, recruit from Mature Age. Mm. She's my age. Um, <laughs> from um, <laughs> from oh, uh, New South Wales. It, it only gets worse. Oh, this, no, yeah. I know. I'm 29. I'm really heading towards the, yeah, the, the tail end of, of um, football age. Um, but, yeah, Eilish, I think she'll she'll slot in really well in that defence. Libby Graham as well from, from GWS um, and... The Tigers pretty, were pretty happy also with the performance of um, Caitlin Cox coming off half back. Um, she's never going to be, she's never going to, um, you know, knock her for want of endeavour, Caitlin. Um, disposal can be a little bit iffy, but, but she'll really go hard and I think she'll win a few fans because of that. Mm. Yeah, it, it really felt like at the draft they were trying to address those depth issues with, with some more mature age players out of the out of the state league i mean they're they're only they're only 18 year old i think was was charlie ryan who I actually really liked as a as a pick for someone who's not gonna play at all um this year but you know she's she had a pretty similar under 18 um nab league uh stat line as as stella reed did from from the, the previous year as a as a top five pick so um, that, I mean, you never know how players are going to come back from a from a knee reconstruction, but it it felt like a pretty good bet. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Um, she she did keep sliding, and the reason she kept sliding was because of the knee. Um, and but she was you know pre knee, she was named in the the NAB League uh, team of the year. You know, so she was up there with with some of the best midfielders in Victoria um, in a draft year, which is great. Um, and I. I there's, you know, the, the word was that if the Tigers didn't take away, they did, which was around, I want to say pick 30-odd, 38. Um, 37? 30, 37, 38. Um, yep. That there were a couple of teams who were pretty keen um, and she wasn't going to mm. slide any further. So long-term, um, I thought that was that was a pretty smart decision because you can just tuck her away on the inactive list and, and like you said, Amelia Peck then gets her opportunity as a replacement player. I know. I know. I never. I never get sick of the the videos of of players uh, saying they've been uh, promoted to the list. It was, yeah, really nice. Um, so the you've sort of mentioned. I think you know some of the some of the draftees. Um, so you'd you'd expect them to be to be playing round one. I think so. Um, I, I'm not quite. Still not 100 percent sure on how. The back line's going to set up. Um, that's sort of been the area with the most change um, in the off season, especially. It looks like they're going to play Sarah Darcy forward, um, which I'm all for. I think she's a she's much more natural forward than she's a defender. They're sort of we're putting her there more out of need rather than um, you know need for the team rather than need for Sarah. Um, and but yeah, they've, the teams aren't going to come out uh, for AFLW until the day before, so it'll be a, a Saturday evening drop. For, for this first team um, against to go up against the Cats. Um, but, yeah, I expect to see a few new faces in there. 
Yeah, the, uh, I mean, new new faces are, are pretty exciting, but I think sort of the the older player Richmond fans would be well speaking for myself, but and I know I know for Andy as well. But you had two Richmond players in the in your preseason top thirty, but um, Ellie McKenzie's I think the one that you know we'd we'd love to see push up into that group this season. Do you think do you think that can happen? Oh yeah, definitely. Um the, the top thirty is the bane of my existence. Um I hate it with a passion. And <laughs> it'd be a hell of a lot easier if it was a top thirty midfielders um count. Yeah. Because then you yeah, you know you're trying to you're trying to shoehorn apples, apples, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trying to fit in key defenders and rucks and you know, how does that key forward stack up with the small forward and um you know, it's pretty tough, but but Ellie, um, yeah, obviously a full preseason is going to help her enormously. I don't know how much of preseason she managed to do at all last year, um, coming off that pretty weird calf injury. Really, she just had an extra muscle there and had to go in and get it taken off the bone, which sounds pretty pretty horrific. Um, but you know, she's such a talent, um, and, and she really frees up a lot of the other players to do their own thing, um, you know. So so I don't like seeing Katie Brennan in the midfield. Um, I much prefer to see her in attack and, and a fully fit Ellie McKenzie is going to help that as well. Mm. Yeah, she, I mean, it's only only pre-season, so asterisks all round, but she, she was moving. She seemed to be moving pretty well. Yeah, she's so talented. She's a she's a lovely player to watch. Um, you know, aesthetically, she, she just glides over the field, um, but, but, but that doesn't really give enough credit to her toughness as well around the contest. And, you know, she is a taller girl um, and I do expect it to take a couple of seasons before she knows how to use that bigger body um, yeah. against women as opposed to junior footy. Um, that'll take a little bit of time as well. Yeah, but it's but it's pretty exciting, the, you know, breaking the, breaking the game open with that pace and, and power, long, long kicking. I feel like... You know the 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 floor of the teams got better with with players like like Grace Egan and and the Hosking twins have, have just brought a level of professionalism and and competence right across the field. But it, yeah, it's Ellie Ellie seems the best chance for some of that star power that you need as well. Yeah, we haven't even spoken about Monconti. Like she's she's a oh, three-time no. best and fairest at the you'd, club. You'd, you'd, <laughs> It's it's horrible. You just take a you take her for granted because she's been so relentlessly consistent in in her performance. I mean, both both at the Bulldogs, but particularly Richmond. Yeah, and what's really incredible about Mon is that like she's turning twenty three at the end of the year. Like she's still so young, um, but but is so good. And I think having Grace Egan in there as a real contested midfielder is going to help. Mon enormously because you know her biggest attribute is is her agility and her ability to break away from contests. So if she's not having to go in there and win the footy herself, um, you know she's going to be one step ahead of of the ball, um, and that's just going to help things move even faster um, and lean really into that chaotic footy style that um that I was talking about earlier. Mm. Speaking of the on on ball decisions, um. Andy wouldn't let me not ask uh, about the rucks, but um, Gab- Gabby Seymour had a had a great year last year. I think top top five in the the best and fairest. Um, but 
you know, Poppy, Poppy Kelly's also um, big, big, strong, uh, clearly best in the ruck. Um, who, who do you, who do you like as the, the starting ruck? It's tricky. Um, I, I do like Gabby. I do wonder if the AFLW game style is is changing a little bit in terms of where it goes where it goes with their, the rucks. We're seeing the emergence of of taller girls, the Moody twins come to mind, Bree and Celine at, at mm. Carlton and the Dogs, um, of, of girls who are really tall and and can move so well. Throwing Lauren Pierce at, at Melbourne as well, um, and I just feel overhead Gabby can can miss out a little bit um, if, if that's the way that the competition is going to evolve. Um, but she's also more athletic than Poppy. Poppy's, you know, the, the stronger hit-out ruck um, and Gabby's better around the ground. So, you know, if you could combine the two, you'd, you'd have a, you know, 10-time best and fair uh, All-Australian. Um, unfortunately, you can't. So so maybe the, the second best thing is to play both of them. Yeah. I've, and, and just in terms of the... You know, it's a really it's a super physical position as well. So I think yeah, I think sharing sharing the loads um, makes makes some sense. But yeah, I I like Gabby Seymour at centre half back as well. The I think the athleticism plays really well there too. Yeah, I don't mind that call actually. Um, she still is fairly inexperienced when it comes to to football. I think we've got to we sort of forget that that she crossed from from volleyball. Mm. Um, and has only really ever played AFLW. She played a couple of games of local footy and that's it. Um, so, yeah, centre-half back, um, yeah, I don't mind that, but it, it just might take a, a little bit of, you know, time to continue to develop her, her footy IQ before I could make that sort of switch. Mm. Well, speaking of being inexperienced, the Tessa Levy was obviously in a... a a great surprise, I think, um, in how how quickly she adapted to to AFLW. Is it uh, is it greedy to to expect her to be even better? Oh, I hope so. Um, I think what what will make Tessa's life a lot easier is look. I haven't looked up the WNBL fixture, but um, you know, last season she was captaining Bendigo, not not a Melbourne team, Bendigo. Um, and and also playing AFLW at the same time, like that, that, that is an absurd workload. Um, and you know, so hopefully she gets a clear run at AFLW. Um, you know, for for Richmond's sake, um, the wing role is so crucial in AFLW with um, you know playing in a five six five formation. Um, and so to have someone who's able to to pick up the game that quickly, you know, she's got a booming kick. Um, she more often than not sets up her teammates in a much better position than, than they'd originally started. Um, I, I think she, she was a huge win for the Tigers. Yeah, and, and very exciting as well. Like, uh, just, yeah, bur- bursting through packs, long kicks, yeah. <laughs> Enjoyed a goal. Yeah, Ooh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's, a, it's sort of, uh, I suppose we're focusing on the positives because that's... That's what it, that's what it's preseason. Exciting. That's what you do. If, if the if the, if the season's going to go bad, what 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 do you think the Achilles' heel is going to be? Oh, um, I think the defense is still it's unproven. This this new backline, um, it was the the real issue last year was teams getting a run on, and I say last year, it's last season. Um, we're still in twenty twenty two. Was the yeah the, the issue with teams 
able to pile on goals and pile on goals quickly and, you know, to be one bad quarter. Um, North Melbourne springs to mind. I don't even know if it was 2022 or 2021, but, um, you know, just teams able to, to pile on goals quite quickly in the space of about 10 minutes and then Richmond would be competitive for the rest of the game, either side of that. Um, that'll come with, with maturity. Um, it'll come with on-field leadership and, you know, able to, to recognise the danger signs and, and how to address that um, because, yeah, this is, well, it's the seventh AFLW season. It is the third, I want to say fourth, starting the fourth season fourth. for this team. Um yeah, so so the the more the older teams, the Melbournes, Adelaides, and Brisbane's, they know how to really pounce on those sort of weaknesses. Yeah, it's the looking at the first five rounds. You know, Geelong probably a team at a at a similar level, two expansion teams, but Adelaide and Brisbane as well. They'll they'll be a they'll be a real test. Yeah, first time we've ever played Adelaide too. Well, I think it's my first oh, week wow. for the podcast. Um, I'm 25 minutes in, I've done well. Um, yes, first time Richmond have ever played Adelaide. So I've, you know, got nothing to go off there. Um, no Aaron Phillips, but the Crows are, you know, obviously the powerhouse of the competition. And the Lions were basically untouched by um, by expansion um, and a super, a super disciplined side. But, um, yeah, so I think that'll be a good gauge like how close Richmond can get to these teams. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's it's very exciting. The um, I think I think Richmond's fans everywhere uh, are looking forward to it. Um, but you mentioned uh, before we started that you, you're also going to be covering the men's uh, finals as well. It feels like an incredible workload. Yeah, a bit of a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> the thing is about the men fi- men's finals is that there's only, you know, however many games. There's, there's not a lot. So you've got to take your chances while you can. They're, they're, really, they're really fun. Um, I think one of the most memorable, memorable games I've ever covered was the Collingwood GWS preliminary final in 2019. Um, yep. just, there's, you can't really explain the, the adrenaline. Um, it's it's quite addictive actually. Um, so yeah, I think uh, round two of the women's, I'm going to be covering Richmond Adelaide, pop home for a little bit, and then go back to the G for uh for the cats and the and the pies after that. So you know, mm. what, if you can say yes, why would you say no? Well, exactly, <laughs> and and it's my it's mental only health, a month my sanity. <laughs> why would you say no? <laughs> any any sense of personal life. Yeah. Um, well, look, it's a, it's only a month. Um, how how are you feeling about the the men's Richmond men's team? Yeah, I look. It's you almost don't want to say it. Like I just yeah. This is me putting my Richmond supporter hat on. Um, quietly you can, optimistic. You can go full full nafty. This is a safe yeah. Space. I, I think quite, but but yeah. There's part of me that doesn't want to articulate it in case it backfires. Like I still have that level of of apprehension. I think that's just been ingrained in me since birth. Um, but I'm quietly optimistic. I was barracking like a madman for Collingwood. Um, I, I think that Brisbane is the the perfect opponent to have mm. um, first up. Watch. Um, Watch Dane Zorko have 30 disposals and kick five goals now after the week he's had. Um, but no, I I think I think they're in a good spot. Um, mm. Yeah, and hopefully you know you it's not too hopefully it's not too much to ask for Dusty to come back and 
you know, not necessarily be dusty, no, but, you know, kick a couple of goals um, at the key moments. So Dylan Grimes out makes me worried, really worried. I'm just, just not 100% certain on the back line without him. Yeah, that the lack of Dylan Grimes to play on Charlie Cameron worries me, but, oh, look, it, it's so nice to be playing finals again and it's nice to have finals in front of big crowds and, yeah, and for all, uh, you know, <laughs> nature is healing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, um, even though this final's in, um, in Brisbane, but I'm just really looking forward to the next month. Um, I think I was saying yeah. to some saying to someone today, if you weren't in Melbourne or or country Victoria during lockdowns and curfews, and it's sort of hard to explain to people in other states just how foreign it was. Like, um, yeah. so so to have it all back to to some semblance of normality, I, I think we we now really appreciate what we missed. I know, and the weather's and the weather's hopefully getting better. Yeah, it's it. It's exciting times. Look, Sarah, you've been you've been very kind with your uh, time as always. We we always greatly appreciate um, picking your brains and getting getting us excited for the for the season to come. So yeah, thanks thanks very much as always. No worries. It's always a good excuse to uh, to talk about Richmond. <laughs> thanks very much. It starts with a vision. We're not locked into that. Might as well pack up and go home. You're talking about three flags by 2020. Fitzroy has played in my files with you guys. And after 13 straight losses, the Tigers are no longer toothless. Their first win for 2010. Carmichael Hunt. Look at Jeffrey. He does. Carlton West on to kick a goal from here. He does. What a start. Coming to slow. He's gone. First preliminary final in 16 long years, and they have done it. They've won. The Tigers are into the prelim. Tigers.